conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. Well, for the next hour, we're going to be focusing on the story that has been uh, taking place and some of it playing out at the uh, steps of the Constitutional Court. A group of elderly members of the Kulumani Support Group and the Galela Campaign have been sleeping outside those doors in Johannesburg. They're demanding reparations for human rights violations suffered under the apartheid state until now. 22,000 applications have been verified as victims of apartheid and eligible for these reparations, particularly by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. However, to date, uh, only 17,400 of these victims have actually been paid. Now, when we look at how much they have been paid, they were supposed to have received 126,000 rand over a period of six months. They have only received 30,000 rand per victim. Um, you know, and, and the 126,000 rand was the recommendation uh, by the TRC. They were also promised non-cash benefits, including educational and medical benefits. But we understand many of these have also not been fulfilled. Organizations now are considering taking legal action should this matter remain unresolved any longer. Dr. Marjorie Jobson is the National Director of the Kulumani Support Group. Dr. Jobson, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you very much, Kathy. Crispin, Appreciate it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you for making time for us. Uh, Crispin Piri is the spokesperson at the Department of Justice. Crispin, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. And Nomarashia Bonase is one of the pensioners that has been spending at least some of her days intermittently uh, on the steps of the Constitutional Court. Good morning, Mama. How are you? Morning, everybody. I'm okay. Thank you for making time to speak to us this morning. I think, Dr. Jobson, let me perhaps begin with you and ask, as the Kulumani Support Group, you've, uh, you know, these pensioners are basically gathered under your umbrella to raise this issue at the Constitutional Court. What is the history of this matter? And Kathy, it goes back to the publication of the final report of the Truth Commission, which was handed over on the 29th of October, 1998. <clears throat> From the very beginning, um, there was uh, there was uh, there were huge obstacles. The whole report was not wholeheartedly embraced by the Department of Justice. We had big gatherings with the Department of Justice at the very beginning, and they were just not wholehearted about doing what the whole Truth Commission set out to do. Um, so. <clears throat> This, this means that there was a gap between 98 and then when, when actually government decided on how they were going to rework the proposals in the final report. Unfortunately, we took that final report and we hired and paid for a whole um, panel of experts in respect of health benefits, repatriations, um, rebuilding houses that were destroyed as part of the whole struggle, all of those issues that, that, that the reparations fund is meant to address. And we, we, the conclusion was, and it's available and we can let people have it, is that Iraj Abedian, who was the economist who finally put together that whole schedule of what the benefits should be, actually was spot on 
Of course, this was like more than almost two decades ago. It's now 2022. Finally, in 2003, um, President Mbeki then announced what the schedule of benefits would be. This has been a very, very long story in development. And of course, in the process, people's lives have fallen back because they have never received um, the benefits that would have helped them become part of an inclusive economy, an inclusive society in which people have the chance to flourish. And so it's a very important development that Norma Russia and the Galela group are sitting at Constitution Hill making sure that the government understands you have failed as dismally. You know the right remedies. They were proven to be the best option for everybody, but you have not delivered on anything. And what we know now is that the Department of Justice under Crispin Peary has alternative plans for the $1.5 billion left in the fund. That would be the fundamental, ultimate betrayal of the trust that people had in this country when, as victims and survivors, they engaged with the Truth Commission. What has become very obvious is that it was an administrative decision to close the Truth Commission from victim statements on the 14th of December 1997, despite and actually many of the statements that were ready to deliver and were taken to the head office of the TRC in Jabez Street in Joburg were just thrown out, mm. apart from the many hundreds of statements that were discarded along the road because the Truth Commission only had offices in Johannesburg, Durban, and in Cape Town. And so it has been a disaster for victims and survivors. And in the meantime, the whole process of you know, trade-offs with the perpetrators continue. That is why the prosecutions have been so terribly stalled um, and, and the trade-offs have been horrendous for victims and survivors. And that was the founding institution of our new democracy. You know, once we had a constitution adopted in 1996, this should have been the next thing that we guaranteed so that everybody had a fair chance to start building a future together, especially right. those who did not have the chance to go into exile and get the benefits that those people currently get, which actually were all constructed by Kulumani, but stayed in the country and stood up against their party military machine every single day. And those are the people that have been fundamentally betrayed. And this country will not live down that shame of never doing what it was capable of doing. There are about only 130,000 people that they owe reparations to, but they decide that they are not even going to entertain it, even though from the very beginning we have engaged, we've done all the research, we've presented countless proposals, we have advocated, just like the Galena Group now, which is fundamentally people who are in Kulumani, but they've got so frustrated, they decided to go off on their own. Um, so that is the background, and, and Kristen, we know you very well. You know us, you know our long track record from 1995, and you need to work with us so we can finally put this monster mm. that has arisen to rest. All and right. do not touch the President's signs, because that is for victim reparations.
All right. Uh, Thank you for that, um, Dr. Jobson. And Chrisman, I'll give you a chance to come in shortly, but I just want to bring in Umam Nomarashia Bonase, who is one of the pensioners that has been, um, you know, camping outside the Constitutional Court. My, you know, we've had an early winter this year. It has been absolutely freezing. And yet you and some of your colleagues have been bracing uh, and braving rather the, the cold weather. As, as part of this call and protest to get attention to this matter. Tell me about how you are personally affected. Oh, uh, to start with, uh, I am Namarasha Bonasa, who is staying in Israel at uh, Targosa, who has been also a victim and a survivor of uh, apartheid autosysis. Uh, my human rights, my family and myself, human rights have been violated by apartheid era. Now to tell the story is going to be just, I have to. As Namarashia, uh, my mother and my father, uh, if, uh, it's their human rights were violated in this way. My father was a mine worker in Caltonville. My mother had to go and visit, and then you know, through all the issues of the apartheid, she was not allowed to be part and parcel of being in South Africa, which is Gauteng, by that time it was uh, called Johannesburg, the west, western area my father was working there. My mother was eight months pregnant, Namarasha, the Namarasha who's speaking now, whereby through the past rates, my mother was raped by the white South African air police, which I nearly died and I survived through Baraguanat Hospital. That is the pain which cannot uh, be taken away from me because it's always pushing me to be an activist. I survived. But if, rather from there, I became an activist since from the time I was a student, which I can push me to be in Houting in this site in Israel, whereby in 1992, to cut the matter short, because I won't be able to tell all this, the victimization. My, I was part of the people whom has been thrown by the tear gas, and also my brother in 1993, was killed here by the soldiers in one of the stations here in Katlaho. During that time, it was the time when also Chris Ani, it was the year when he was also being killed. So all these atrocities happened while I was here. We were pushing, trying to, to make sure that we liberate ourselves and others from the the oppression of apartheid. So that's why I won't be able to tell you the whole story because mm. it will take us the whole, yeah, the whole uh, uh, this uh, program. No, no problem. And the others, uh, then, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Mm. And the others, I had to lead the group of the <clears throat> of the, the the freedom fighters here in my area, and I had to be part of the Kuluman support group as a, a, as a member. And I've been a leader in Kuluman support group from the branch level 
to the to the provincial level and to the national level as i am a board member of kluman support group who happens to be known by all the members from different provinces so to be part of the galela is what was taken by the members from different provinces that now is the time of us to put pressure to our government who've got no listening skills. When I'm talking about the listening skills, is what coming from the members, why is yes and yes. And you know, Kulumari have started in 1995. As they started in 1995, this struggle was pushed until 2003, when during the Tabon Peggy's era, the issue of this 30,000, which you are talking about, mm. it did not come because it was just coming out of their will. It was the struggle which the victims and survivors of apartheid through Kuluman support group put a pressure to say the report has been handed over to parliament and there are recommendations which are supposed to be implemented. The implementation has not been done until that is Tabon Peggy just throw the victims with 30,000, not following all the recommendations. And the TRC to us as members of Kalumane, as victims, we, say, we said we agreed because it was a starting point. It was the issue of a starting process of rebuilding the society, which is the wounded society. Victims and survivors are the citizens of South Africa and which takes them to be a wounded society. We wanted to go with this process of which the same process, they were, people were like uh, discriminated. When I'm talking about that, the victims themselves were like separated. There were those who went to the TRC and there were those who were closed outside the TRC, mm. of which to us we said that what is happening in South Africa if is the the TRC was the issue of reconciliation, was the issue of building peace, was the issue of uniting the nation, was the issue of making sure that we are building the, the this uh, society. So towards, so yeah. So so Mamno Marashia, you know, be post the Mbeki presidency and post that, um, you know, thirty thousand rand that was paid out. What is the work that you had done to ensure that the rest of the outstanding monies, as recommended by the TRC, would then be paid out? We've been continuing with uh, being a, a group, uh, being a, a, the members of this organization who've been trying to call to on table to our, our governments. That means we tried by all means to reach out to our government, to, to Department of Justice, to the president, and also to parliament, where we called all the stakeholders. We tried to involve all the political parties which we are voting for, to look at this issue, to come back and make sure that reparation which is to us is a socio-economic uh, way of doing the equal justice. You must know that the perpetrators on this side, they were given amnesty. Mm. They were given pardon. 
they were given parole. But the issue of a reparation, which to us, we, we find that is a social economic justice, which can redress, which, which can do most of healing processes, of uniting the nation, of try to heal the wounds of the parts. You finally so were we able... Went yeah. as far as, we went as far as sleeping. It is not the first time when we went to risk our lives for 22 days in Concord. We went to Parliament. In We went and, and asked our president, now the president, president uh, our president, uh, president uh, which is Ramaphosa, we went to first Lawrence when they were campaigning for the vote. It was in March 2019. We we hand over the memorandums, and then they took and promised to come back to us. They did not. We do the follow up of writing and emails, and we went as far again as going to sleep in our premier's office. The same 2019, they took us to the Department of Justice. In 2019, in, 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 on the 16th, which was that day of the Reconciliation Day, we went and met with the officials of the Department of Justice. They, they wrote, they have an agreement, which they promised us to say they will call us, they will do the all, call all the stakeholders, which we mentioned in that uh, memorandum, mm. that we need this issue of reparation to be sorted out in, because people are dying. All right. They, they're survivors. And then they promised to do that by the end of not less, not less than the end of 2020 uh, 20 January. They did not do. And then we went again on the 21st and to, to, to sleep in the Concord for three days. The same president, Department of Justice, and also the presidents, they said that they will make sure that they met with us, they solved this issue because it's a matter of being a long-standing agenda. So, Mamna Marashia, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to interject to there. I'm going to interject yeah. there because um, it's 10.30 and I have to go to the latest news headlines. But I think you've yep. painted a very clear picture in terms of the different efforts that you have been engaged with over the years in trying to get government to respond on this issue. Luyanda Maume is standing by. We'll hear from Crispin Piri on the other side of the headlines. Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. Well, we're looking now at what is really the ongoing struggle by those who um, are deserving victims of reparations. This is um, from apartheid atrocities and human rights abuses and their fight based on the recommendations of the TRC to try and get the necessary payouts in as far as reparations are concerned. We've heard from Dr. Marjorie Jobson, who is the National Director of the Kulumani Support Group, Nomarashia Bonase is one of the campaigners and the pensioners that has been sleeping outside the Constitutional Court. Let me bring in Crispin Piri, who is the spokesperson at the Department of Justice. Crispin, a lot has been said, but I suppose the big issue here is why is it taking this kind of struggle for this group of people to seemingly get the attention of government? Thank you, Kathy, for having me. And um, I'm so glad that you have Mama Noma Rasha here as well, because one of the things that we have been struggling with with um, the Kulumani group over months and even years 
is exactly who represents Kulumani. Um, and I'm glad that we have Mama Rasha here because Mama Rasha is someone that we have met. It's someone that she has acknowledged that she represents Kulumani. But on the other hand, Dr. Jobson has been said to be not a legitimate leader of Kulumani. And so over the years, what we have found is that there have been competing demands. And so if you meet with the one Kulumani group, the other Kulumani group comes and says, no, but this is not the correct Kulumani group. We should have met with us, and these are our demands. And so this toing and froing has really delayed progress that could have been made. But I want to account for at least the progress that we have made and we believe we have made with the group that is led by Mamunoma Rasha. Um, over the past couple of months. Indeed, when we learned of their protests at the so, Constitutional so, 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 Court. Sorry, sorry, Crispin, just before you, you move on, right, what relevance or significance is it of to have either the legitimate or the illegitimate Kulumani group um, that is raising this issue? Because my, you know, I'm assuming here that the payouts would be made to the beneficiaries directly. Uh, so just clarify that for me. Precisely that, Cathy, because when we then, who would be able to give us a legitimate list of who are the required beneficiaries? And also, how do we then ascertain what the exact demands are. So depending on who we meet from time to time, we would then present, be presented with a different set of facts or a different set of information. So, so, are, you instance, say, so are you saying, sorry, sorry, Crispin, are you saying that there is no list that would have been put together by previous departments of the justice system? Because, I mean, the understanding would be that if this is the recommendation of the TRC, part of the initial work would have been to say, then who are these individuals that should be beneficiaries um, of these reparations? And and what would, one would imagine that a, a list of sorts would have existed um, within the database of the department. Yes, let's get into that. Yeah. So we do have a list of beneficiaries that qualify in terms of the process that has been outlined by the TRC. And the records that we have that these people have benefited have received the relevant reparations, the 30,000 rand that you spoke of earlier. But not only that, they've also received the higher education qualification that they would be eligible for, not only higher education, but also basic education. So in terms of the TRC resolutions and findings, one of the benefits that um, members, people who have been identified as victims of apartheid by the TRC Commission, they would be eligible to receive uh, funding for, for education, healthcare beneficiation, as well as housing. The regulations for healthcare and housing, that would be the regulations that fall under the Department of Health. And we have actually then followed up to them with them in recent times to understand where exactly are these regulations and how have they implemented them? Because we understand that members of the Kulmani support group and victims of apartheid generally have not been able to access these benefits. But insofar as the, the benefits that relate to higher education and education in general, those are administered by the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development, and there are a number of beneficiaries. Then what we have said to both groups, and, and most recently at our last meeting, where the minister engaged uh, Mama Nomarasha and, and that team, give us a list of people who you believe should have been on the TRC beneficiary list. They had applied, they had gone through the TRC um, process, and they've been identified as a victim, but for an administration reason or some reason, 
that may not be known to us, they somehow are not getting these benefits. Give us that list so that we can correct that administrative error if there's an administrative error on our part. We are still waiting for that list. And that's the important part. Because on the other side, and at least this is what our Mamono Marasha has said to us, they said the problem with the TRC process is that there are some people who are not on that list that ought to have been on that list. And the question then for us becomes, Granted, but did they actually go through the TRC um, process where they recognize the victims? And if the answer is no, then there's a difficulty for us there because that process has closed. It was not us who closed it. It was a process that, as you can imagine, Cassie, I think took place in 1997. It was closed. So the set list of beneficiaries, as we understand it, has already been determined. We cannot then undertake to reopen a process that was overseen by Parliament and that was initiated by Parliament, we would have to go back to Parliament and say, there, has, there seems to be a problem with people who have not applied at all um, and have not been recognized at all as victims of apartheid. How do we then go about recreating this process? And you could imagine, Kathy, the administrative process that that would require, because even the process of determining who was a victim of apartheid, firstly, you had to appear at the TRC Commission, which the Kulumani support group was very, very instrumental in, I must add. They were able to ensure that a number of victims were put for the TRC and were rightly identified. But at this stage, we cannot say that that process should be reopened because on the balance, truly speaking, who was not a victim of apartheid? So again, the criteria has been set. You had to have gone through the TRC itself. So that is our difficulty. And the minister meeting with the Nomarasha team has plainly put that to them to say that is something that we will not be able to promise. Let me then go to what Dr. Marjorie claims we are going to do, and which is the incorrect, uh, incorrect claim. There is funds that are in what we call the, the president's, uh, I think it's called the president's fund. And this is money that has been set aside for reparations. In previous discussions with some of the Kulumani members, and I'm not sure which faction this might have been, but it's one of them, what had been discussed was that we are uncomfortable with using that fund to, for instance, uh, build a community hall in a particular community as a part of community reparations, because that funding is identified for community reparations, because we believe that this is a function that can be done by local government or other government structures generally as part of service delivery. So we don't believe that this is money that can be used. This That type of approach is an adequate approach to community re- rehabilitation. And what we have said to this Kulumani group, the Nomarasha faction, is that in our next engagement, which we are writing to them um, soon, in our next engagement, let's sit down and really dissect what is the best way to use this fund? What, what is the proper definition of community rehabilitation? Is it building a community hall that can be done by a local government function? Is it building a clinic that could be done by the Department of Health? So let us get to the table and really identify what is the best way for us to to really ensure that community rehabilitation in a broader sense takes place. So, but lastly, Kathy, yeah. this is, let me just make this point. What the Galela campaign and Mama, no Mama, no Mama Russia has made very clear to us, what they mean by the Galela campaign, they are saying, there's this money that is in the president's fund. Take that money and literally in the translation says, Galela is into our accounts. Mama Noma Russia said to us, 
here's a list. We'll give you a list of all the people that are here. These are TRC victims, and we'll give you a list of their accounts, and you must just give us this money directly into our account. And we're saying that is not the mandate that we have. The law doesn't allow us to simply take public funds and put it in a member of the public's account. There has to be an adequate process that identifies exactly that this is a victim of apartheid, and have they, if they are a victim of apartheid, have they not benefited from the current benefits, the current um, what we call reparations and other benefits rather that are there? Mm. Then only then we can say, right, these people are victims of apartheid. This is the process that applies. To them. But so, to take yeah. this money and deposit it directly into people's account is a promise that we cannot make. That would be quite reckless on our side. So, so that's Crispin, what we have said to them. Just a couple of points of, of clarity. As far as the Justice Department is concerned, how many people are still owed outstanding monies here? We don't believe that there are people who are owed outstanding monies. But if the Kalela, uh, not the Kalela, the Kulumani people can say to us that these are people who have clearly been identified as victims, they have not received a cent. That is something that we must correct. But from our side, because this is a process, Cathy, that spanned from 1997. So from our side, we believe that people who should have received money have received money. Those are the records that we have. And, and this discrepancy around how much money they should have received? Uh, you correctly said that it was a recommendation by the TRC Commission. Uh, but the government at that time, and, and correct, it was the Mbeki administration. When they looked at this recommendation, they said we will not be able to give, I think, over 120,000 people 120,000 rand each. What we can afford at this stage as a, as a state is 30,000 rand. And so that was money that was given to them. And when I met the Kulumani group um, that was at the Conhill, some members of that group did confirm that, yes, indeed, we did receive that 30,000 rand. All right. I, I know that you've got to leave soon because you're catching a flight. Um, Dr. Jobson. But I'll, I think it's important I'll, I'll listen in, so I'll try and, and hang around as, well, as long as I can. All right. No problem. Dr. Jobson, let me bring you in here just as an opportunity to respond to the number of, of issues that, that Crispin has, has raised here. And I think, you know, this issue of, of, of lists and who exactly qualifies to um, receive these reparations is really going to be a, a big stumbling block in terms of what happens going ne- going forward. Um, thanks, Kathy. This is the crux of the issue that you are naming because the TRC in its very limited time attribute given to victims and survivors of apartheid crimes, not just victims of apartheid, as Kristen tends to say, because everybody, of course, was a victim of apartheid. But the list that they ended up having the time to attend to contains only 16,800 individuals. When they closed prematurely on the 14th of December 1997, we did an immense amount of work to tell them we haven't begun to touch the, the numbers of people who meet the very clear criteria to be classified as victims and survivors of apartheid crimes. Now, that is a fundamental different, different, differing point with what the Department of Justice, and for no reason it has stuck to, because all over the world we know that this is an ongoing problem and you continue to register victims and survivors because they have suffered such atrocities that they are the most 
disadvantaged in the country and people didn't actually get to these offices. You had to travel to go and meet the TRC statement takers. There were only 72 for the whole country for 18 months. And if you didn't have the money, the taxi money, to get there, you were never recorded in the records of the TRC. And that is why there was an art cry across the country to Kulumani, please help to document our stories. That is why we have this very detailed database of 130,000 people. It is safe with us because at one time, Norma Russia, when she broke away from Kudumani, when she did not attend the AGM, at which she was not re-elected as a board member, and then when she decided to go into starting a campaign, but using Kudumani's name, which is actually unlawful because she has refused to collaborate, um, that is why we have... Um, we have this problem, but we manage, we have the database. We have documented things for years. That database records the numbers of people who contributed to bringing down the apartheid government. We have to get government to agree that, you know, there are two reparations that Kristen has completely failed to mention, and that is what is called symbolic reparations. The reason people stood up and said, we need to tell you our story, and and they've closed the doors of the TRC, is because healing starts with recognizing the contributions people made. That is fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Jobson, let's talk about then the difficulties that the organization has been going through. And uh, you talked about some members breaking away. How has this complicated the process? Because you hear from Crispin now, um, you know, the impression one gets is that the department is probably more willing to talk to one side than another side for uh, whatever reason. Why Why can't you guys come together to make this less complicated? Absolutely, especially as we hold all the records. Kulumani's office was captured by people from MK. Kulumani had to move its office and keep protect on where the first thing you have to do is you have to move your data off-site into completely secure protection. We've done that. We have the records. And um, we've moved to Pretoria. The office in Kotohas closed down. Judy Seidman and Norma Rashid took over trying to run the office, not paying salaries, not for the time that they actually occupied the office from... Um, November 28th, July 2019. All right. Dr. Jobson, we're losing you on that line. I think what we'll have to do is try and get you back up on on a better line. Let me bring into this conversation Hanif Vali, who is Executive Director at the Foundation for Human Rights. Hanif, good morning. Hi, good morning to you. Yes. Uh, talk to me about your involvement in this case, because I understand that uh, you're now partnering up with Kulumani to take the matter to the Constitutional Court. Uh, no, I think that's, that's, that's rather premature to say that uh, we're going to the Constitutional Court. What uh, has happened is there is a uh, grouping South African Coalition for Transitional Justice and this issue of the rights of victims has been raised there, and some of the NGOs involved in there who are legal NGOs are in fact researching the law on this matter to support uh, the victims of apartheid. So 
So it's a bit premature to say we're going to the Constitutional Okay, so, court. so you're not going to the Constitutional Court. No, thank, thanks for that clarity. Um, but w- what we'll do is that we'll continue with this conversation in a moment. I've just got a break coming up, and uh, we'll, we'll also see if we can take one or two calls in relation to this conversation. On SAFM. We continue the conversation looking at the calls being made by those who uh, believe that they are, you know, the rightful beneficiaries, at least of reparations uh, for crimes committed, human rights violations, I should say, under apartheid. And we've been in conversation with Dr. Marjorie Jobson. She's with the Kulumani Support Group. Crispin Piri is with the Department of Justice. Numarashia Bonase is with the uh, Galela Group or campaign and they of course um, have been um, sleeping outside the constitutional court and just joining our conversation before that break is Hanif Vali, executive director at the Foundation for Human Rights. So Hanif when you look at um, you know the the concern that is being brought particularly by these uh, victims that, are, that say that they're owed reparations, what do you think is the best way for the Justice Department to be navigating this issue, especially um, in, 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 in an environment where the, the very crux of the issue, which is who should benefit, seems to be up for question. Um, thank you very much, Cathy. You know, I, I think there has been a bit of a breakthrough at, at, at great personal sacrifice by uh, uh, Noma Rashia, Masjidi Saidaman, and the com- com- community members from uh, Kulumani who camped outside the Constitutional Court in mm. cold winter for at least two weeks. Uh, and the breakthrough is now for once um, there will be a discussion uh, that will take place between the Department of Justice um, and the uh, Kulumani uh, Victims Group on the issue of their definition of the closed list, uh, the issue of, um, you know, the um, Mr. Crispin has, has said a number of things about uh, education, et cetera, et cetera, and, and the figures that we have are not the same as, as what he said. You know, for example, uh, they talk about uh, funding for, for uh, basic education. We've got only 750 people have got some funding for basic education, and 450 people receive funding for higher education. Uh, there's talk of, of medical benefits. Uh, we were told that the medical benefits would be covered by the National Health Insurance Plan, which uh, has not yet been adopted. There's talk of housing benefits. Um, we still don't know uh, if, if, if um, uh, the housing needs of PRC victims have, in fact, been met. There's no information that we have on that. Uh, we did talk of memorization and commemoration. Uh, we are told that this intervention comes from the Department of Art and Culture from their regular budget. Um, there's something like 1.76 billion rands, which remains unspent um, in the President's fund, uh, which is with, with the PIC. Now, I'm not clear what the uh, accounting record of this money is. I don't know if it's, if it's public knowledge, but uh, you know, we certainly would like to, to, to know about it because there have been questions raised about how PIC has been managing funds. So they, there are all these issues. But the bottom line is this, that it, it, it is um, not fair to talk about, oh, no, we are all victims. Of course, we were all victims of, of, of apartheid. But the term victims is specifically defined um, in the, the, the act which established uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, and it talks about uh, um, people who... 
suffered as a result of gross violations of human rights and their relatives. And gross violation of human rights is defined as killings, abductions, torture, severe treatment in connection with struggles of the past. Mm-hmm. Also, people who, who were victims uh, from people who had been granted amnesty. So it, it's a circumspect group. What we're asking for, what Kulumani uh, is asking for, is let us engage on this issue. Let us tell you why uh, the list should not be a closed list uh, within the definitions of, of victims in, in the Act. And also, let, let's also uh, talk about people who gave evidence but then did not uh, appear on the list of, of, of so-called victims. Uh, what about people whose, whose money had been stopped uh, for some reason or, or the other, and and that kind of engagement uh, is of of importance because uh, up to now, requests being made both to the ministry as well as to the president, letters to the president, uh, for basic things like you know what is the existing policy with regard to reparations if there is one, uh, you know how do we get together and have a fair and just reparations policy. Uh, how can we look at this closed You know, the, the society we are in is based on, on the depredations of apartheid, and we were very unequal. You know, even within the Truth Commission, we had to actively uh, go out and, and, and engage people to, to, to get uh, statements from, from victims around the country. Um, the, 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 the formal means of communication um, as, as well as, as people's education levels meant that lots of people were not aware um, of what had been happening and, and, and the, the uh, availability of reparations, uh, again, within the definition in, in the Act. So let us start this engagement, and I think uh, the, the door has been opened right. as a result of Operation mm-hmm. Galela, uh, whereby the, the, the department is now willing to discuss these issues with them. It's when the department shuts the door and says, you know, we don't want to discuss this anymore. There's a closed list. That's when we have problems. All right. Thanks. Let me bring in very quickly from KZN Ntlandlangidi, uh, who is a, a member of the PAC. Ntlandla, good morning to you. Uh, good day, uh, Katie, <coughs> and your guest there. Uh, Katie, as uh, uh, you said, uh, I've, I've, I've had the conversation. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm listening, Tantra. Oh, that's good. Good. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the first biggest mistake uh, when we speak about the, the reparation is to actually uh, isolate the colonial era from the apartheid era. Uh, we tend to start from uh, well, when apartheid became the system uh, that actually operated and, and actually made a lot of African people uh, to be dispossessed, but it, it was not the, the first system. I mean, we had a, a colonial era, uh, which began with the, with the arrival of the of the first uh, European settlers in this country. From then, I mean, uh, all that uh, particular history has been ignored. So we need to go back and really look at the criteria that is used. Because uh, and the, the second one is to individualize. The, the atrocities, I mean, the, 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 the suffering of, of, of people as a group in this country. Because black people, African people in particular, as a group, they were uh, 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 particularly um, uh, uh, disadvantaged, dispossessed of their land, and uh, actually uh, even uh, marginalized in all aspects of the economy, 
uh, their development, their culture, everything in all aspects. Now mm. we are actually individualizing this thing and having and, and asking people to come and prove that they suffered and their ancestors suffered when the rent isn't there. And, and, and most of our history has been distorted. We can't even relate to, to, to what happened to our ancestors. I mean, our history has basically been destroyed. Families were destroyed. We can't even relate that. All mean, right. That's the biggest mistake. As Look, a case, yeah. we, we suffered as a nation, as a group. So this thing of individualizing the reparations is actually the first very incorrect thing. All and right. Let's leave it there. Look, I suppose the current framework at least gives people a place to start, right? Because, um, you know, if, if we're to consider what Ndlandla is saying and take it as far back as possible, I mean, how long is, is, is a piece of string is really the conversation that, that we're going to have. So perhaps easier, at least for the purposes of this conversation, to deal with what is currently before the Justice Department. Crispin, I'll, I'll end it off with you. I don't know if you're still with us on the line, but, but if you can hear me, what next from the Department of Justice and, and when can we expect possible feedback on this issue? Thank you, Cathy. So um, I think for us, we are engaging with what is now referred to as the Kalela Group. We will be meeting them um, sometime during the course of next month to discuss exactly what Hanif has outlined. So exactly this issue of the closed list, what is the best way to, to move forward from it, if possible. Those people who have been administratively excluded, how do we correct that? And then also if, uh, on the issue of the President's Fund, we would then be able to produce an audit of exactly what is the spending of that account so that this idea that this fund has been used for other purposes is completely dispelled. But more importantly, we then look at what do we mean by community rehabilitation. For instance, in some instances, we are referring to psychotherapy for some communities. What's the best way to administer that? But the the Kulumani group or the Kalela group may have a different perspective, and that's the perspective that we are willing to accommodate, along with the Foundation for Human Rights as well. I must say they have been quite um, instrumental in the past couple of months in assisting us to move this conversation forward, and we really do want to move this conversation forward. I think it's not a conversation that we ought to be having 30 years down the line. It is a matter that we should be really ensuring that most of these issues have been addressed. All right. Let's leave it there for this morning. Crispin Piri, spokesperson of the Department of Justice. And um, you heard also from Hanif Vali, the executive director at the Foundation for Human Rights. So a story then to keep watching and uh, the impact in as far as the decisions around that criteria. Can there be more people added to that list? Um, what are then some of the benefits that will accrue to these individuals? Of course, the worrying thing is the fact that even some of those that are beneficiaries um, of the, 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 the reparations from the Justice Department have not f- received the full spectrum of what is due to them. And that is something that uh, one would also want to see changed. It's just after 11 o'clock. Luyanda has your latest news update.